Welcome to MASH Forever. My name is Carrie, and I'm hosting this podcast about MASH, which I think is the best TV show ever in television history. It's been my favorite show for over 40 years, and I still love it, talk about it, listen to it, watch it, uh, watch clips from the show, watch all sorts of stuff. I also read a lot of fan fiction. You can find fan fiction, by the way, at fanfiction.net and archive of our own. And you can find a lot of different stories, storylines, all the characters in various relationships and anything you want to find on MASH after the show ended, or you can, you can find kind of like, I consider them like new storylines. And there are some really good writers out there in the world of fan fiction And it's just, it's really neat to see people's creativity around the characters. Uh, I wish the writers back then could have tapped into all of the various writers to get different storylines and different ideas. And it's just really neat to see people's creativity around all of the fan fiction. Talk about that in another episode. So today I wanted to do just a short podcast, and next month I'll do a longer one for April of 2023. So it is March 26th when I'm recording this, and just some uh, facts uh, that I discovered in March and wanted to share, and a couple of current things I wanted to share, and uh, just let's get started. So the first thing I wanted to share was end of Mar- end of February, beginning of March. That was the 40th anniversary of the finale of MASH. And I did a podcast in February about the finale and hitting the 40th anniversary. Well, we, that has come and gone and 40 years plus. And of course, uh, after MASH came, in, came on, after MASH ended, and that lasted, I think, a season and a half, if I remember correctly. I watched every episode, every, <laughs> I think it was on on Monday nights, It just took the MASH spot, and I really liked it. I was one of those diehards that was Monday night, that was, you know, if MASH wasn't going to be on the air, I was going to watch the next show uh, that was similar to MASH, and I, I for one, I liked it. I don't know what I would think of it today. I did. I have seen it in recent times, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, it's just it is. It wasn't Mash, and it didn't stay on the air long. But it was a good effort to keep Mash going and the Mash spirit alive. And I really wish they would do something similar today, but not a reboot. I'm I'm actually not in favor of a reboot. I I've been watching the show for so long that I can't imagine anybody else in these in these roles and uh, I would love for them to actually do a reboot of sorts where they all sit around and people have suggested like have them go back into their characters you know did they get married did they get divorced did they stay married did they you know did they go to Vietnam did they go to the Vietnam War after the Korean War what did they do when they got stateside Uh, were their lives what they expected them to be you know, once they did get stateside. And that would be fascinating to have all of them come back together, the surviving members of the cast, and have them do some sort of role play around, you know, where did the characters end up? I think that would be really neat. In that same vein, on March 7th, Clear and Vivid uh, 
with Alan Alda, his podcast, he had Mike Farrell on it, and they actually read a new scene of MASH written by a chatbot. Uh, that was... <laughs> That was interesting, scary in some ways, that a program can write scripts and write stories and be creative. And you could hear Alan Alda and Mike Farrell acting it out. And it was interesting because they were talking in their normal voices and then they went into the characters again after 40 years. And you could hear the change of their tone of voice. And I thought that was really, really interesting uh, to note how when they changed into the characters, uh, they were, their persona changed. And, and I mean, obviously acting, but it, because I was, I was brought up, um, you know, for so many years watching these characters, it's like they're very real to me. So to have the actors do them and then go back into their own, persona the the people that they really are not the people they are on the screen it was it was different it was very different for me um but it was fun it was a lot of fun and I really looked forward to that episode so I believe that was the March 7th episode of Clear and Vivid with Alan Alda I listened to him on Apple Podcasts that's where I found it so if you have not heard that yet it's a must listen to and I thought wouldn't it have been fun had he gotten all of the characters together, like all the actors together that are still alive. Um, Jeff Maxwell, Loretta Swit, Gary Berghoff, Jamie Farr, um, oh, what's his name? G.W. Bailey, who played Rizzo, among others, uh, to, to come together. I know some of the nurses are still alive, um, some of the actresses that played the nurses. Um, so that would have been really neat had, had he orchestrated something bigger and better. And at the same time, I'm very grateful that we got a actual scene from MASH in today's world from a chatbot. Uh, and, and the implications of that are, are fascinating, but I wanted to point that out if anyone hadn't heard that yet. Uh, the next thing I wanted to share was this was more um, news that I definitely want to share in case anybody wants to reach out. Um, so this came from the MASH Matters uh, Facebook page and Instagram account. And <clears throat> it mentions the actress that played Rosie Eileen Saki, and hopefully I pronounced her name right. Uh, they announced she'd been diagnosed with cancer and chemo treatments were beginning last week. So they're calling on the MASH Nation to step up and shower Eileen with love. And uh, you can email Eileen if you want to. And her email address is sendinglove2rosie at gmail.com. The number two is literally the number two. Don't write out T-W-O. So sendinglove2rosie at gmail.com. And spread the word. Uh, let's, uh, you know, they want everybody to send uh, an email. And I did and my friend Becky did. And we got immediate responses and we met her last fall at the 50th anniversary celebration at Malibu Creek State Park. Very, very nice woman. And she was, it looked like she was very flattered and very honored by all of the outpouring of, of attention and love we, we gave to her last September uh, being there at the park. So that was really neat to uh, meet her and uh, definitely want to wish her well. And hopefully all goes well as she begins her treatments. 
the next thing is March. These are March facts. Uh, so happy anniversary to Alan Alda and his wife, Arlene. Um, I, they just celebrated their anniversary on March 15th. Married, they were married March 15th, 1957. And if I did the math right, they just celebrated 66 years of marriage. So happy anniversary to the two of them. And the next thing I wanted to share was that McLean Stevenson left MASH uh, with his final episode uh, on March 18th, 1975. <laughs> so I was four turning five that year, uh, but he his last episode aired on March 18th of that year. It was end of season three and episode 24. And this episode was directed by Larry Galbar, and this year marks the 40th anniversary of Henry Blake's death on the show and McLean's departure. And I just, I absolutely, he was my favorite character on the show, and he, McLean Stevenson is one of my absolute favorite actors, and I just... I really wish he would have stayed with the show uh, for the duration. I think the show definitely changed and took on a different direct obviously took on a went in a different direction and had kind of a more serious tone in the in the later years uh it, it feels to me like a different show uh the beginning and the end so i was really saddened uh that he left the show i did follow mclean for a long time i watched him on anything he was in i remember him being on uh, Hello, Larry, and uh, The Match Game, and The Golden Girls in the 80s. I'll never forget where I was when I heard he passed away in 1996. And I wanted to try to play a clip. Um, there is a clip on YouTube of McLean Stevenson guest starring on The Share Show uh, in 1975, shortly after the final episode that he was in on MASH. And he is dressed in his Henry Blake attire, and he said that he's found. So he actually didn't die. So I'm going to see if I can play that clip really quickly here. And my special guest, who we're all happy that he could be here with us tonight, he used to play uh, Colonel Henry Blake on MASH, and he was recently reported missing in action, Mr. McLean Stevenson. Okay, so that was an actual clip from the Share Show, and you can find that on YouTube. And uh, but it's interesting, yeah. So so who knows? Uh, was he found? Was he not? Did he die? Did he not die? Uh, in the in the Mash world, he did pass away from you know his helicopter was shot down over the Sea of Japan, and he never made it home. And I think that's such a poignant message. Uh, that they were trying to convey with that episode. Some people um, that I've seen on Facebook question that decision. And it's interesting to think if I had been an, an adult at that time uh, in the mid-70s. I was a young child, but I, if I had been an adult, what, what would I have thought? Um, so I'll go to today. What do I think of that? I think definitely a powerful message uh, to send is... is you know, people die in wars and war doesn't care who you are. You know, war doesn't care that you're 
a parent or a grandparent or an aunt and an uncle or a niece or a nephew. Uh, it doesn't discriminate. And I think I think the writers definitely did. I chose a, a very, uh, very dis- could have been a very div- um, divisive, if I think that's the word I'm looking for, action um, in terms of conveying that message. And it goes back to what Henry Blake said to Hawkeye, you know, rule number one, young men die. Rule number two, doctors don't change rule number one. And I think, you know, that to me that having Henry Blake die on the way home when he hadn't met his one kid uh, sends a powerful message about war, about war. And I think that, you know, it just is just helpful to think about, you know, war and what's the point of it. And uh, just to realize there are very real, real victims um, when, when we, when countries do uh, choose to resolve uh, conflicts this way. So, yeah, so that clip is really fun to hear though, you know, so is Henry Blake still alive? Who knows? <laughs> but, but the clip is really fun if you can seek it out because he's wearing his whole Henry Blake costume, outfit, hat, the whole nine yards. He's in a robo, you know, and, and saying, ah, I'm here, I'm alive, it's all good. Uh, you know, and, and such a beloved character. And I just, and when the actor passed away, McLean passed away, I was, uh I was so sad because I just, I love his humor. I just think he's a goofball and I absolutely love, love, love his humor. And I love how effortlessly he does it. Just, it's just, you think he's Henry Blake, you know, (laughs) look at him and you go, wow. Anyway, I'm quit rambling about that. Uh, So next Next uh, things to talk about are, um, well, this one's a sadder one too. I'm kind of going kind of every other one, it feels like. Um, So March also saw the fifth anniversary of David Ogden Steyer's passing. Um, March 3rd, he passed away March 3rd, 2018 at the age of 75. Uh, He was born in October 31st of 1942. And yeah, passed away early March, uh, five years ago. Yeah. So he would have been turning what? 81 this year. He would be 80 today if he was still alive, but 81. Um, and I, I, as I get older, I really, really, really appreciate the brilliance of him, the brilliance of David Ogden Styers and what he brought to that role. And then you see him, on different other different things and then you barely recognize him in the different animated things he's been in and and he was in that episode of Frasier and just brilliant just absolutely brilliant and I really enjoyed learning about him I long ago I learned that he was a skateboarder uh like when I was 10 or 11 I found that out and then to drive down the city streets of LA and then you're like he skateboarded <laughs> down some of these streets. 
a little, a little scary, a little scary. I mean, I wouldn't even want to be on a bike on some of these streets, much less, much less on a skateboard. Um, so I always found that to be a fascinating fact about him. And I got this fact from the Did You Know series that uh, my co-admin does on Mash the Series fan group and page. And it said one day that the perks for David in working at Stage 9 at 20th Century Fox Studios was that the famous Newman scoring stage was nearby. And whenever he had the chance, he would skateboard over to listen to live music. (laughs) Wouldn't that have been nice? (laughs) And again, wouldn't that have been cool? You're driving down the, the streets of L.A. in the late 70s and you see him riding around on a skateboard. (laughs) That would be be trippy. That would be really trippy. But what I've learned in spending a lot of time in in the Los Angeles area is you don't, you, you, you probably are walking by celebrities, but since they don't wear a sign saying, hey, this is so and so or so and so, and you just, you don't even think about it. Like, you just, I mean, they could be sitting next to you and you may not recognize them. Uh, and it just, you don't, you don't think about it. You just don't. You're not thinking, oh, I'm going to see so-and-so. Uh, when I was at Malibu Creek State Park a year ago, I think it was a year ago, I was hiking to the MASH set. And this is a good example. I'm hiking in the MASH set. And so I'm about halfway there from my car to the set. And it's seven o'clock in the morning, no one's there. And a biker came by me and he was on my left and I looked at him, he looked at me and he said, good morning. And I said, good morning back. And it took me, I don't know, five, 10, 15, 20 seconds to register like, huh, it looked, it looked like Patrick, um, Patrick Dempsey, right? That's his name, right? Patrick Dempsey from Grey's Anatomy. Who played Derek? Derek. Derek. Yeah, Derek. <laughs> oh my God. I binge watched Grey's Anatomy last year. So you would think I would know this. <laughs> you think I would know these names. Anyway, but it looked like Patrick Dempsey. And I had to do a double take and I kind of watched him as he rode away from me. And I'm looking it up right now just to just to make sure. Yeah, Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not losing my marbles. Anyway, um, yeah, but it looked like him. And so it was like, it sounded like him. It looked like him. And then I took a picture of his back. And later on, I was like, it might've been him. It might've been him. And the whole time I was watching for him to come back because then I was like, oh my God, that that might've been him, right? Who knows? I will never know if that was him because again, early morning, he was wearing all the gear, helmet, like everything. And I just happened to look over and we both said good morning. And it was like, huh, I know that person. I know the voice and I know the person. But when you're walking around the LA area, you just you don't you're not thinking about, oh, what celebrity is gonna be around the next corner. So be really cool if you ever came around the corner and there was a mash person standing there. That would be that would be amazing. Uh, especially an unplanned walking around the corner and you see Alan Alda standing there. Um, so the last few facts I'm going to share for this podcast today is I did not realize uh, the details of these actors' time serving in the military. And before I get started, I want to thank them for their service. Uh, I did not realize. I knew two out of the three had served. I didn't know in what capacities. 
Um, so definitely wanted to um, bring these up today. So Alan Alda, he joined the U.S. Army Reserve from Fordham University and served for six months in Korea as a gunnery officer just after the Korean War. I knew he had some association with the Korean War. I just didn't know what until I was able to dig out this detail. And then Jamie Farr also uh, served uh, after the war ended in Korea, and he uh, served, he entered the U.S. state the U.S. states, right? The U.S. Army for two years. And he served overseas in Japan and Korea. And again, it was after the Korean War ended. Uh, in in his role as Klinger, he can be seen uh, wearing his actual U.S. Army-issued dog tags. So I don't know if anyone's seen those up close, but it would be interesting now that we've got all these DVRs and you can pause it and you can take pictures of the screen, it'd be interesting to see uh, what, what the actual dog tags say and what they look like. Uh, and then um, Mike Farrell is a former Marine and he joined the Corps in 1957 and served initially in the infantry as a rifleman had no idea. I don't think I knew that detail. Like I sort of knew it, but I didn't really know it, know it. Like I knew Jamie Farr and Alan Alda had something to do with Korea in their real lives, but I did not realize that Mike Farrell was a former Marine. So again, thank these three gentlemen for their service. I think that that's great that they, um, that they were, that they did something in the military and, and I, and I would bet that it helped enhance their role on the show. I, I would bet, I would give it any amount of money <laughs> that, that would impact it in a positive way. So that is all for me today. And I hope you all have an amazing day and stay tuned uh, next month. I hope to do a longer episode and then hopefully in May or June, I'll start doing every other week again. So in the meantime, take good care of you and we'll talk soon.